turn to Galatians. We're going to look at the last part of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, 11 through the end. This is our last stop. Next week we will be into something else. I kind of caught me by surprise real quick and realized, man, I need to be thinking about what the Lord would have us do next. So you pray through that and have some ideas. I'd be more than happy to to hear what you would like to have preached on. Now, the the pattern is, and I tend to probably keep the pattern, to go from the Old Testament and the New Testament, back and forth, so that we're getting the full uh, realities of Scripture. I think in the fall, we're going to do snapshots on Jesus and his interactions with people throughout all the Gospels. I think that's what we're going to do in the fall. So... The remaining aspect of the spring, I don't know. Maybe Ruth. I know the ladies are studying Ruth. Maybe that would be a a helpful thing to do alongside. I'll talk to the ladies and see if that's a good idea or something else. We'll figure it out. Now, for those of you that are really, really interested, and after you've given all your uh, uh, tithe and then your extra givings to Japan and you have an extra $10,000, there is a cruise that is being offered that still has about a dozen spots uh, you will travel on the Algalita Marine Research Boat. It's a foundation uh, that is sponsoring this on a three-week cruise. To where, you are asking? Uh, to the Pacific Ocean's garbage dump. Did you know, of course, that there is a Pacific Ocean garbage dump? In the Pacific Ocean, there is a natural disposal, trash heap, dump. In fact, it's called the Pacific Trash Vortex. It's a place that if you were to leave this cruise, you'd leave from Hawaii. Uh, In this particular place, the major currents of the Pacific Ocean converge and collide, picking up debris all along the way and forming this massive natural trash island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Did you know this? Do you want to know how big this natural trash island is twice the size of the state of Texas. Uh, The uh, Russell McClendon, he's a science editor for the environmentalist website called Mother Nature. He describes the trash vortex this way. A galaxy of garbage populated by billions of smaller trash islands that may be hidden underwater or spread out over many miles. Man, I want to go. Anybody else want to go? What a sight. Well, we have come at the end of Galatians to Paul's Galatians vortex. All the currents of Galatians, all the themes, all the topics, all the theology, all the controversies and conflicts and characters, all the power and the persuasion, all the glory and all the garbage collide and converge here in Paul's last shot at you and at the Galatians. So, welcome to the end of the road for Galatians. Welcome to the book that's been called by many, many Romans. Welcome to the book that has been used in perhaps the greatest outpouring of God's Spirit in the history of the church since Pentecost, the Reformation. Welcome to a book that has reached, spiritually remade, and empowered Mothers and children and fathers and farmers and coaches and professionals and artists and musicians and athletes and every generation endlessly 
in churches and Christians since the beginning of Christianity. Welcome to the wonder and warmth of justifying love. Please stand for the hearing of God's word. All right, let's out loud. We'll look at five one. Say this together, then I'll read the rest of the text. You ready? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now let's go to verse 11. Now what, what Paul's doing here is he says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Paul's custom, as he makes clear in Second Thessalonians, is that he dictates to a scribe or a secretary. The scribe or the secretary writes verbatim what's being dictated. And then at the end of the letter, he grabs the pen from the scribe and personally writes his own, personalized in his own hand, he finishes the letter. So that's what's happening here in verse 11. This is what's happening here at the, the vortex of Galatians. All right, here we go. See with what large letters I'm writing to you is with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So, Father, we've come to the end of it. We've come to the end of Galatians. We come to one of the clearest places in all of Scripture of your heart and the wonder and the worth of justifying love. So, O Lord, this was Paul's last shot. Uh, May it not be ours, but may it be uh, a continual, growing, deepening, believing better the things in this book. Brighter, bigger, deeper. And may you give and grant what Paul actually ends with. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, all the currents of Galatians collide and converge here. This is the Galatian vortex. Now, Paul's big, dominant Galatian point is found in this passage. It's in verses 15 through 18 where he summarizes it, and it's pretty straightforward. In fact, if you look at verse 15, let's do this together. For neither circumcision, now remember, Circumcision stands as a summary for living by the law. It stands for a summary of trying to save yourself by keeping the rules. 
other parts of scripture and other parts would communicate it. It's a religious person, right? So neither, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. So now uncircumcision stands for another way to live. It's an anti-law or no way, no law way of living. It's trying to save yourself by breaking all the rules. It would be called today the irreligious way, the unchurched way, right? So we've got a churched way, circumcision, an unchurched way, uncircumcision, and they count for nothing, Paul is saying. The only thing that counts for anything is a new creation, according to Paul. So in one verse, what Paul does is he summarizes this whole book. In one verse, he lays out three, and there's only three here, global, universal, cosmic ways to build your life, to live your life, a path of life. There's not four, there's not five, there's not six, and there's not less than three. Every human being is building their life or walking or following the path of one of these three ways, okay? Now, notice that only one of them, again, gives or counts for anything. The other two count for nothing. The other two end in a dead end. The other two, according to Paul, as he's shown us throughout this letter, do not deliver the goods. There's no power in these other two ways to to give salvation. There's no power in these two ways to dish out eternal affection and unending acceptance. There's no salvation in the other two ways. And in fact, the other two ways that Paul has summarized them, he summarized the other two ways of law living, building your life around the law, anti-law living, building your life around breaking the law, right? These two ways he summarized as the ways of the flesh. Now remember the flesh. The flesh is the, the kingdom and the sphere and the eon and the age and the nature and the power of self-salvation. Okay? Now, the third way, though, delivers the goods. But the third way that he's pointing out here, notice that it's not in the flesh. It's a whole nother new creation. It's a whole other kingdom. It's a whole other eon. It's a whole other age or sphere. It's a whole other nature or power. And it's outside the human being. It's outside the human heart. So the human heart has these natural ways of trying to save itself, either by trying to be good and obedient or trying to be bad and disobedient. Those are the two natural ways that the human heart goes in trying to save itself. The third way, the new creation is completely other, outside, different. Okay? And this way is Jesus' salvation, or what Paul has been calling in Galatians justification by faith, or what he called in Galatians 5 the life or sphere of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so hopefully some of these themes are starting to come in. Now, remember, this third way counts for everything. This third way gives salvation. This third way actually gives you an identity. This third way actually reaches the deepest parts of your heart and gives it life. It reaches your deepest longings and desires for affection and acceptance. It's what restructures you and reshapes you, your whole motivation and for why we do what we do. It opens our eyes to a whole other world. It recalibrates and reshapes 
your internal dynamics, and then how you enter and re-enter into the world that you live in, whether it's being a mom or a, a professor or whatever it is. Now, follow Paul's thought here. Look at verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Now, that must have thrown the, the follow, Jerusalem follow-up team into a tizzy because he took Israel of God, God's people, away from their argument. Now, watch what's happening. That word rule, you know what that literally means? Canon. You know what canon is? Canon is measurement or standard. Canon is what the early church used, that word, to describe the, the way that God gave his word of the scriptures to God's people. So watch what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, the standard, the measurement, the canon of real Christianity is the new creation. The third way. Building your life. I mean, if we were to use that great Christian band Aerosmith, what he's saying is walk this way. (laughs) Walk this way. Build your life around this canon. This is real Christianity. That's what he's saying. So now you're with me, right? You got it. The giant point of Galatians is build your life around the third way. The gospel way. The new creation way. The Jesus salvation way. Grace salvation. That's what we've been saying all along now for what? A while. But don't catch your breath just yet. Paul's not done. He keeps going. Notice that he restates his point negatively in verse 17. You ready? Look at it. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. You know, I wish I could say that sometimes. I really do. But enough about me. On to other things. For I bear on my body the marks of the flesh. In other words, you know what he's saying? If I was to give you a street translation, here's a street translation. Knock it off. Stop it. You've given me enough trouble already. Stop building your life around your performance, around your record, around people's approval, around the flesh. Stop trying to save yourself. Okay. If they do, if we do, verse 18 happens, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Verse 18 gives us a picture of what real Christianity actually looks like when it lands in someone's life, when it becomes real, when it's with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. But notice what he says. He goes right to it with your spirit. I mean, if a psychologist was here, he'd say, that's psychological health. That's a heart that's whole and healthy. If we were to cut that person open, that's a human being. That's what it looks like to be really alive. You want to know what life is? That verse made real to you. So Paul's giant Galatian point, his final shot at Galatians, build your life around the third way. 
not the other ways. Not being churchy, not being religious, and not being unchurchy and irreligious. This is a whole other way. And here's the catch, brothers and sisters. You're not going to learn this way by looking at your own mental understanding and the own, your own highways and byways of your own heart because the only thing you're going to find there is the other two ways. So this is what's so haunting about what he said. The third way must come from the outside in. You have to hear about it. It has to be revealed to us. It can't be found in your own self. It can't be found in talking to your neighbor. It's revelation from God. What's natural, what's normal, if you and I are to sit here and we didn't have Galatians, let's say we ripped Galatians out or we don't have the scriptures and we were to sit here and talk about God, we would never come to the conclusions of the third way at all. It has to be revealed. All right. Now, this is not new. This point's not new. The Galatian point's not. We've heard this for 141 verses. And that's what you're saying to me right now. I've heard this for 141 verses, right? That's not new. But here's what is new is, is the way Paul takes his last shot at the Galatians to make his point stick. That's new. He's got his point. He's been saying this now for 141 verses, but now he's going to, he has a specific strategy to make this point, remember, that comes from the outside, not found normally inside of us, and make it stick to us, make it real to us, make you get it. It's his last parting shot. It's his, his final salvo at the Galatian church, all right? Now, some of you, the, you Galatian faithful that have been here from the beginning, you're saying, I still just don't get it. I mean, this whole gospel-centered life stuff, it's just... It's like trying to catch a cloud. It's like trying to catch smoke. I think I get it and whew, it's gone. It's just, it's hard to get my heart, it's hard to get my hands around it. Here's what I want to say to you. Watch how Paul makes his point stick, okay? And then let's talk if that's not clear. Now the other of us don't want to get it. Let's have an honest conversation. There are some of us that just don't want to get it. And there's kind of two groups of us, right? There's the group of us that says, you know, the church doesn't need to hear. Christians don't need to hear more about grace. They need to hear more about spiritual responsibility. They need to hear more about spiritual working harder. They need to hear more imperatives. They need to hear more spiritual grit. More grace only makes people, Christians, lazy and licentious. Okay? That's group number one. Group number two, though, you're thinking, I don't want to hear this because, quite honestly, I'm getting my needs met in other stuff. I mean, money is giving me security. Sex is giving me pleasure and intimacy. I love relationship. It gives me a sense of significance. It gives me acceptance. It gives me the love I'm looking for. Influence. It's giving me a pretty good self-image, a pretty good identity. 
I feel pretty confident in my influence. And then there might be some other religious beliefs, and it gives me a sense of meaning and value. It helps me put sense of the world that we live in. Group number one, group number two, please hear me. Watch Paul make his point stick, okay? Let's do this. Now, Paul's last shot strategy is a specific answer. Here's how he wants to make this point stick. Build your life around the third way. He wants to make it stick by giving you a real-life example from the Jerusalem follow-up team. And the specific example of the Jerusalem follow-up team, unpacking this example is supposed to help his point stick to you, make it real to you, demonstrate the wonder of it, okay? Now, here's what's happening. How, what he wants to show is how building your life around something other than Jesus cannot give you what you need, okay? Look at verses 12 and 13. These folks have done this. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Okay, do you see what's happening here? What's happening here is there is something other than Jesus. The Jerusalem follow-up team has put people in the place of Jesus. That word, that phrase, wanting to make a good showing in the flesh, this is looking to people to supply your deep affection and acceptance. A good showing. We could say it's, it's trying to find your justification in people. We could use that kind of language. So the Jerusalem follow-up team, what they did, here's a specific example, and he wants to make his point stick that the third way is the only way to build your life. He says, if you go down another way, let's say the way of putting people in the place of Jesus, something in the place of Jesus, as examples people, when you, when you do that, you want to make a good showing in front of people that you're conscious about people. People, their acceptance and their affection is life. Gives you a good showing gives you affection and acceptance. If he was to state it negatively, which he does, the last part of verse 12, look how he says it. Look, they do this in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, the persecution here is not the literal taking of life. Because remember, the Romans are in charge of Galatia, not the Jewish authorities. So there's no threat from the Jewish authorities that their life is going to be taken. But what can be taken is something that they regard to themselves as important as life to them. Their reputation, their respect, the approval and the acceptance of others. In other words, what's driving the Jerusalem follow-up team when they put people in the place of Jesus for their acceptance and their affection or their justification is they are driven by the fear of rejection. Okay? Now, whenever we do this or whenever this happens, whatever you put there, it demands perfection in order to deliver the goods, and you can never live up to the standards. And I think that's part of the point of what he does in verse 13, where he says, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. So, Even though they've put people and their perfection to the law in the place of Jesus, they can't meet the standards. So they're doomed. 
They're doomed to a life of always a low-grade disappointment. And a low-grade insecurity that breaks out at different times in life when you can't control and manage your life enough. Right? All right. Now, here's the deal. Watch what Paul does in verse 14. But, contrasting what he just said. But, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reverses everything. (laughs) This is unbelievable. The follow-up team puts people in the place of Jesus. Paul comes in and he says, I'm going to put Jesus in the place of people. Do you see the contrast? Boast in the flesh, verse 13. Verse boast only in Jesus or the cross of Jesus, verse 14. He's contrasting this. He's contrasting boasting in your flesh with boasting in the cross of Jesus. Jesus replaces, Paul replaces Jesus, reverses it. He puts Jesus in the place of people for his acceptance and his affection, for his justification, for his good showing. Now, no one likes boasting, bragging, show-off kind of people. Anybody like those kind of folks? David, you like those kind of folks? Okay. We should like them because we're Christians. We're going to like everybody, brother. Now, um, no one likes a boaster. No one likes a show-off. No one likes a braggart, right? Now, there was this one guy that I wrestled in high school. And when... When we came to the weigh-ins, what you do is you have two teams, your two teams, your two schools come into the boys' locker room, and you're going to have weigh-ins. There's a scale. There's an official referee, and he's got the marker. You either step on it, and it stays in the middle. If it clanks, if it clanks down, you're out. You didn't make weight, right? So it's just real simple. Step on, step off. We're in the two lines. I am uh, a 170 pounder, so I'm about six guys in. This guy is just staring at me with a scowl on his face, like, you know, maybe he curled his lip, I don't remember. He strips down, he's staring at me, scowling, gets on the scale, staring at me, scowling. Someone would come up to talk to him, stare at me, scowling, right? Now, when you go out to, usually when you go out to wrestle, one of the things you do is you watch your team mates before you get to wrestle. He's out doing one-handed push-ups in front of the whole gym, upside-down push-ups, you know, the kind where you get on your hands and go up with your feet up in the air, jogging in place, stretching. Oh, but I forgot, he added one thing to his staring and his scowling, flexing. He was flexing doing this kind of stuff at the weigh-ins. He was flexing his pecs, doing his tries at me, staring, scowling. I go up to, to wrestle, and it's a common, common custom that you go up and you shake the guy's hand, and the referee says, good match, boys, begin. Refuse to shake my hand, right? Now, what was he doing? Boasting? Showing off? Taunting? You bet. But you know what he was doing? He was trying to find. He was trying to secure. He was trying to build his confidence. 
And whatever we boast in, that's our confidence. That's our sense of self. That's our sense of inner strength and support for living, right? And what Paul says in verse 14 is, there's only one place you can find that. The cross of Christ. There's no other place. In fact, at the cross of Christ, what we end up finding at the cross, that Jesus died for sinners so sinners would not be rejected but accepted. So what we find at the cross is at the cross, Jesus was rejected, condemned, shamed, so sinners would not be. By the time we get to the cross of of Jesus, his life, This is the culmination of a life of perfection, a life of obedience, a life of faithfulness, a life of righteousness. So sinners could be accepted. At the cross, Jesus dies for sinners. So sinners do not have to be rejected, but accepted. Now, those of you who are very self-conscious doubters of Christianity right now, you know who you are. I mean, you're self-consciously, you don't believe in Jesus. You're self-consciously kind of visiting, checking Christianity out. This is what I want to say to you. The things that you are looking for to give you affection and to give you acceptance and confidence cannot give it to you and are opposed to God and opposed to you. They cannot forgive you. They cannot accept you. Jesus can and Jesus will. So put your confidence in him. You might say something like this to him. Jesus, I have been trying to save myself. Forgive me. You died for self-salvation strategies like mine. You're my rejection in my place. And you're my acceptance, my confidence. Amen. Right? Now, those of us that struggle with human approval, that's only a couple of us in here. Not many people struggle with human approval. Uh, For your affection for your deep acceptance and confidence. You know, we struggle. I mean, that's the point of Galatians 5. And then it was talking about the the flesh and how the flesh, the self-salvation, looks for affection, looks for acceptance. Are those two paths? One of them is trying to find it in people. Even for some of us, it's trying to find self-approval. Live up to your standards. You can feel good about yourself. You can approve yourself. We'll push that one aside, deal it for another time. But people is a big one. We put people in God's place, right? There are lots of good books written on that. When people are big and God is small, Ed Welch wrote a great book on that. Uh, We must realize when we do this that we're putting people in God's place. What we're doing is we're sinning. I mean, it's not just a, um, 
It's not just I got a personality disorder or I've got a, uh, something wrong with my temperament. No, when I put people in God's place, I'm sinning. But the sin, what we want to remember, is I'm trying to save myself. That's the nature of my sin. Now, you're not climbing, as one person says, when you realize this, you don't climb Mount Sinai to fix it. You climb Mount Calvary to fix it, right? So what happens is this. People, you want to remember, you want to think through, you know what? People can't deliver the goods. People can't accept me. When you're in the midst of people temptations or you're in the midst of people struggles and you got this sense of maybe real or imagined that you've been rejected by human approval has not happened and you've been disapproved, this is what you want to do. You want to think through. You want to root your heart in the cross. You want to be on Calvary. That's where you want to climb. You want to root your heart in there and you want to say things like this. Jesus You died for my sin, so I would never be rejected. Jesus, your perfect life and your righteousness is my acceptance, my confidence. And you begin to reverse and do what Paul says. The cross replaces people. And you... Start boasting in a really good way. Now, the rest of us, the rest of us, you know, we're the the skeptics. Where too much grace doesn't produce obedience and holiness. It only produces lazy, licentious Christians. Here's what you need to hear. The only obedience and holiness that pleases God comes from a heart orientation that goes like this. Because I'm so loved and I'm so accepted in Christ... Because I will never be rejected, I obey. I love God, and I love people. There is no obedience and there's no holiness if the heart orientation is obey or you will be rejected. Obey, then you'll get God's love and His acceptance. Then you'll be okay and you'll get blessing. Brothers and sisters, that is self-salvation. That is putting performance in the place of Jesus. That displeases God, dishonors him. Okay? So what you need to do and what I need to do when we do this, at the cross, Jesus died for my sin, so I would never be rejected but accepted. And warm your obedience and warm your holiness there. Right? All right. We're done. Galatians is done. The giant, giant, giant point of Galatians. Build your life around the third way. The gospel way. Grace salvation way. The new creation way. The sphere of the spirit. Amen.